P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Yes. And this is going to be an exciting episode. I am I already know. like very jazzed about it. Tis the season. Ugh, nominations for everything. <laughs> Yeah. I could talk about nominations from now till the day I die about <laughs> Grammys and Golden Globes and Oscars. Mm-hmm, and Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. There's like there's nothing better. It's like Christmas. <laughs> Lots happening for sure. And on top of all of the all of the nominations, there's also just like other random news going on. Drama, it's, drama, it's a drama. Good week. Yeah, yes. It's a good week to be a pop culture podcaster, <laughs> I think. Other than the fact that we said on last week's podcast that we were going to be talking about Mary Queen of Scots and then realized this week that it was actually <laughs> only coming out in New York and Los Angeles. So we scrapped that. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Sorry. I'm holding you back. But I think this will be better. I think it gives us room to talk more at length about the nominations, the, all the drama surrounding that, everyone who got snubbed and all that fun stuff. So I'm excited. Oh, I think it'll sure. be good. For sure. Uh, but before we get started, I have a review. It's a very, it's a very entertaining uh, review, I think. Oh, so, good. This is from Wally Cat 3 and it's entitled My Hot Take. It says, Matt and Shelby make me feel smarter <laughs> for caring about dumb things. <laughs> While some respect <laughs> is lost for both in Shelby's T-Swift obsession and Matt's <laughs> dislike for The Office, I try not to think about the negatives because of the pop culture and movie knowledge bestowed upon me each episode. I had to catch up on quite a few weeks when I started listening, and I'm sad I will have to start waiting for just one episode a week once I'm caught up. It's the perfect commute entertainment for information my BF doesn't care about. Thanks, Matt and Shelby. <laughs> yes! I mean, aside from the shade, I'll take it. You know, it was uh, that's nice. That's good to hear. Glad we can entertain people in spite of our, in our presumed differences, so. I mean... Wally Cat was definitely spot on in the fact that your Taylor Swift <laughs> obsession is strange, but clearly she has a weird and, uh, obsession with The Office that I don't need to get like into. Like everyone else in the world does. Yeah. Everyone mm. else loves The Office. Mm, debatable. Whatever. Um, <laughs> if you are listening to this and you are thinking, I have a hot take <laughs> involving Matt or Shelby, <laughs> you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and it's super great and helpful it helps more people uh see us on the apple app so yeah yeah, which is always good do us a favor get in the christmas spirit leave us a (laughs) nice note and you can also find us on social media on twitter instagram facebook sometimes um at ps you're wrong Come find us. Leave us comments. We're <laughs> always happy to respond and talk to you. But Thirsty I can't wait any it. longer. We need to get into this. I know. I have, there's so Lots many things news. I want to talk about. Um, I okay. Uh, I, can I go first? Yeah, I guess you're volunteering okay. yourself. Yeah, please, okay. please. So first on the docket, with all my Oscar love, we have to talk about the Kevin Hart fiasco. <laughs> Yeah, of course. That was some big news this week. Uh, yeah, usually the Oscar host is announced way early. This year, it was Ke- 
getting put off. We didn't know who the host was. There was rumors going around that like they were asking people, but nobody would volunteer to (laughs) do it. Eventually this week, they announced Kevin Hart is going to be the Oscar host, which I don't think was necessarily (laughs) a surprise to anybody. I was sort of like, did he already, like, had he already hosted these? But I guess not. He just hosted (laughs) other award shows. He's, he's like everywhere. So it's not shocking. Well, it was just like, it was announced like when we were recording our last episode and I was like, oh man, like there won't be like, this will be too old news by the time we record next. But the drama, the drama came soon after. So (laughs) catch us up on what happened to poor Kevin Hart. Yeah, so Kevin Hart's announced, yay, he's the host. People (laughs) immediately start going back through his old tweets. We've talked about this with celebrities before. (laughs) If you have old tweets that are in any way racist or homophobic or derogatory towards women, sexist, or or just mean in any way, like go back and delete them (laughs) because somebody will troll through them all through your thousands of tweets and find some where you say inappropriate things and they will come back to haunt you, which they did Mm -hmm. with Kevin Hart. And, you know, he's a comedian. He's a stand-up comedian. I think he, you know, got a lot of mileage out of like homophobic comments earlier in his career. Mm -hmm. And he was called out for those on Twitter. But instead of, I think, doing the thing that we all thought he was going to do, where it's just like, <laughs> I'm really sorry. This was something yeah, I did I've a long time ago. Yeah. Yes, I've grown as a person. I'm better <laughs> off now. He was like, I'm not apologizing for these. And also, I'm not hosting the Oscars anymore. It's just it ludicrous. <laughs> well, what did you like, think about this? I know. Well, because at first when I saw the tweets that were pulled up, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm not surprised. I feel like this will just be a moment where he apologized and moves on. But then it was like a whole day where he's like, I'm not going to apologize. And then he's like, people need to stop like thinking people can't change. And then he's like, the Oscars have given me an ultimatum and I'm not going to, I'm not going to fold to their demands. And then he's like, I've decided to step down to, so I don't detract from the amazing event it is, which I'm like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure you were fired. Like, I don't think (laughs) you did it out of the goodness of your heart. Like being like, Oh, I'm going to cause too much drama if I'm still the host. Like, I think he was fired. And then what's the most ironic is he ended up apologizing. So it was like, (laughs) I don't know why he dug his heels in so hard. Cause it was like, I get it. Like we've talked about having like your past dragged up dragged up and being like, Oh, have you changed? Have you changed? Like, why did you say this awful thing? I believe people can change, but if you've changed, then saying sorry doesn't seem like a big deal. You know what I mean? It's like, just apologize again. It's not hard. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know why he didn't just, yeah, he should have just been like, yeah, I've apologized for those before. I'll continue to apologize for them. I've grown like, let's all move on. But instead he's like, "Mm, why are you guys doing this? It's so immature. Like I refuse, I refuse, I refuse. (laughs) Do you think that this will hurt Kevin Hart in the long run, his career? No, I don't. I mean, his career, I mean, he's just as like, I don't, I don't think so. Cause I think a lot of his movies, the people who go to him just don't care. You know what I mean? He's not like, channeling a very liberal like woke serious crowd i get yeah i guess that's true i don't know i'm always <laughs> with whenever these things come out about people i feel like you can't judge on whether it's going to sink them or not i mean there's people like james right. franco who i thought who has been sunk about 15 times who's still in <laughs> movies regularly and then there's yeah. some people who you know like said one offhand comment like 
10 years ago and you haven't right. seen him since so it's always uh well i was just strange. i was just seeing this nick cannon i guess in a in sort of a defense of kevin hart started calling out people who also had problematic tweets who happened to be white so he was he pulled out tweets from amy schumer where she used the where she used the f word chelsea handler um and just sarah silverman i think and so he would just like retweet these and be like hey are these people canceled so it is like interesting there's like there's no clear line on like what counts what's a good enough apology how long ago it had to be you know so i think kevin hart just dug his heels in at the wrong time i mean i think probably though with those other people that you just listed I would imagine mm-hmm. that if they haven't already apologized for them, that oh, they yeah. would gladly apologize for them now. Right. I mean, I don't think Sarah Silverman is going to be digging in her heels and being like, no, I, I, I can <laughs> yeah, call I these refuse. people whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That was the weirdest part is he tried to look all woke by being like, I will not bend to these bullies. But then it's like, well, you just look like a dick who won't apologize for being a homophobe, you know? Yeah. Just like, just say you're sorry. It's not Bad hard. Bad choice. But- Bad choice. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the uh, the Golden Globes also anom- announced their hosts, who will be Sandra yes. O oh and Andy Samberg. And I remember we were high on them in their like brief presentation at the Emmys this summer. I was yeah, surprised we that they were announced, but I'm very excited about it. I know it kind of made me because I had been looking through old list of Oscar hosts. And they used to do a lot of pairings instead of just one person. And I Uh think a weird pairing like that kind of helps. Like, I think the James Franco Anne Hathaway one was an obvious disaster. But I think if they find people who've had more experience, who had more like a variety of experience, it could make for an interesting dynamic. So I wonder if they'll go the duo route for the Oscars this year or if they just really can't find anyone. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the thing with Sandra O and... Uh, Andy Samberg is that they're both really funny people and they both have experience in like various mediums you know Andy Samberg's gonna have like some fun songs which will be great uh (laughs) the combo that I really want to happen is Kristen Wiig Mm -hmm. and Will Ferrell they presented at the Golden Globes (laughs) like 10 years ago and were hysterical and the fact that I I don't think either of them has ever hosted an award show at least not that I can remember is mind-boggling to me I know. I think Will Ferrell could actually be fun. I mean, I think he drags bits on a little too long, but nothing a few writers couldn't iron out, you know, but it is interesting. I think they'll try and stick with a person of color, which I think is a good idea because they have had such a huge issue with diversity. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like, are they just going to rub it in (laughs) Kevin Hart's face and ask Dwayne Johnson to host? Because I think that would be amazing. Yeah, that that would be good. I I could I could see that happening. I feel like the perennial favorite at the moment is Tiffany Haddish, but I don't know if she would think... like want to do it or what the situation is there. Yeah, I don't think she likes reading from prom- prompters. She has a hard time with it. She always admits that. And so I don't think she'd want that. I don't know if she'd be great at it, but she'd be fun. I just don't know if they'd have to rely on a lot of ad lib, I think, because she has admittedly, even when she did the Oscar announcements last year, she was stumbling over names and like titles. And so I'm not sure if she would want to be 
responsible for that. Although as the host, you're doing less of announcing people and more of like those little gimmicky side bits where I feel (laughs) like she like she would be great in the let's get all the actors to go across the street to the movie theater and throw (laughs) like candy at random people. Oh, yeah. I know. That would be good. I honestly think the Oscars don't have a great track record with women. Like, I think critics or the audiences, whoever it is, are really hard on the female host way more than they are on the male host. So, you know, like with Anne Hathaway, even Ellen DeGeneres, like, was known for being awful at hosting. Whoopi Goldberg had some good years, but then was, like, eviscerated for her last couple. So it's just like, I don't know if they're, they're, like, what's the pro to being under that scrutiny you know like why would they want to i mean i feel like ellen was great when she hosted uh i think oh, part I think of everyone it, hated her really i feel like she's yeah, like the she's iconic like listed host. as one of the worst <laughs> no i was looking at a list like a couple lists of like the greatest hosts of the oscars and she was always really low on the list along with the anne hathaway james franco that is so surprising but... to me because I remember that year being like, very, I mean, because she did the thing where she brought in like pizza. She, that was the selfie oh, yeah. year. I think that her yeah, like monologue was right. really funny. Maybe the maybe the list maker was just a sexist. Yeah, so it doesn't speak to the masses. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I think the other the problem with like Whoopi Goldberg and some of these other hosts, though, is that they just beat the horse to death like i remember when <laughs> tina fey and amy poehler hosted the golden globes for the first time i was like oh this is a revelation this is so good by the time they were doing yeah. it the third year in a row it was like okay like some of these bits <laughs> are getting a little stale like let's get somebody yeah. else up here <laughs> <laughs> yeah well meanwhile billy crystal is like heralded as the best host of all time and he did it for like five or six years so yeah but i bet he had some duds. Yeah. i don't know i wasn't watching at that point so <laughs> i know I know, I know. It'll be interesting to see who they pick. Um, And honestly, it's just sort of a thankless role. So I think you're either really good or everyone just hates you. So (laughs) it can go go either way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was excited by some small drama. Uh, Katy Perry this week was at like this One Love Malibu charity show where they were raising money for the fire relief. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, I saw (laughs) this. Katy Perry... She was dating Orlando Bloom. They think they're back together, but they haven't confirmed it either way. But anyway, she was selling a date with Orlando Bloom for this charity auction. And she kind of really hyped it up. She's like, you know what? I'm going to throw in a lunch with you. You can ride on his motorcycle, feel his abs. Like, this is something that you should want. Like, I want it so bad. And so when she opens the bidding, this girl immediately raises her hand and starts off at 20000 which was just an insane number and no one else was willing or able to like compete with that. And so the auctioneer was going to like finalize the sale. And Katy Perry was like, wait, 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 like, Oh, like, what's your name? How old are you? Um, Oh, you know what? Sorry. Actually, I'm going to buy it for 50,000 and just like walked off. (laughs) And everyone was like, I'm sorry. Like if you're that like insecure, don't auction off your boyfriend. And also you could have just taken this girl's 20,000, given her this one day life, once in a lifetime experience and also donated 50,000, which is just like chump change for you. So it just like left a bad taste in everyone's mouths and just continues to make Katy Perry look so 
just crazy. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh. Katie Perry. I don't, I'm, I was thinking about this like um, a couple months ago of where is the point where Katy Perry like toppled so quickly? Because she, <laughs> if you think back to like the Teenage Dream album, it's like she had like five yeah. number one hits in a row, back to back to back to back to back on the same album. She had all yeah. of those great songs. It seemed like everybody liked her. She was like quirky and fun. I remember she was like one of the first celebrities to really have like a big Twitter following and she was really entertaining mm-hmm. on there. She has her cat. I don't understand how she went from that to now. She's sort of like this desperate hanger on her, <laughs> like trying to be relevant, <laughs> yeah. but not. Obviously, her new album didn't do well, but like, was there something in between her last album and this album that happened? Or was it just that nobody liked this one? Like, like what what was the point in here where she died? I wonder if it's like, this is just me spitballing, but I feel like she kind of shed her persona like she wasn't wearing crazy costumes or doing crazy wigs and she was just trying to be herself more and people were like wait this isn't as funny when it's not like a shtick you know and and so when she was doing witness and and she keeps just putting her foot in her mouth like she made the comment about like Britney Spears like she's like oh I cut my hair but not because I'm like crazy like Britney Spears was she just like tries to be funny off the cuff and it just comes off kind of like cringy And so when Witness was being promoted, I just remember story after story of her just embarrassing herself with like the SNL performance where she's like dancing with Migos on the table or whatever. And it was just like so awkward. And then just like all her promotional stunts were just like uncomfortable. So I think people just kind of got sick of her, which is sad and maybe unfair. But also she just continues to make herself hard to like. (laughs) I guess I'm looking I'm looking at her discography right now and she had a bunch of song like i guess her last big songs were in 2014 which seems longer ago mm-hmm. than i guess it is so maybe there was like <laughs> more time because then her last album the one that didn't do well came out in 2017 yeah so maybe there was yeah. like a couple of years where she was kind of out of the spotlight and maybe said some awkward things and then when she comes back <laughs> if her album doesn't do well then maybe that's kind of like the kiss of death but yikes i know it was just like man like you just don't you just look like so weird and insecure and sort of desperate at this charity event where it's not like you're not giving him orlando bloom like for the night you know it's just like a two-hour date right it's not gonna end up anywhere it's like do you think orlando bloom (laughs) is gonna fall in love with this random person who paid twenty thousand dollars to hang out with him yeah and if that's true then you need to like focus on <laughs> if Orlando Bloom's someone you should commit to. Yes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, yikes. Poor girl. I know. What else do you have? I mean, there's the new Avengers title. It's Avengers Endgame. That's the fourth movie. <laughs> I feel like I want to get yeah. into the award. I want to get into the award stuff. We have Grammy <laughs> nominations and Golden Globe nominations. Yeah, what do you yeah, want to yeah. do first? Let's dive in. Let's do um the Grammy noms and then we can build up towards uh, Golden Globes and Green Book and how that all plays in together. Okay, okay. Grammy noms. Let me shuffle my papers around <laughs> here and so I can see who's nominated. Yeah. Uh, the Grammys are always a hot mess. We should just say that right off the bat. I know. Yes. Just, yeah, let's just be honest. <laughs> I remember us texting last year, before we even had the podcast, about how Bruno Mars won everything at the Grammys. Ugh, and it was like, yes. like, what is happening? 
who is in charge of these awards who is voting like it is (laughs) it's like people put a bunch of cds in a hat and then just randomly pull things out it makes no (laughs) sense there's no rhyme or reason who gets nominated who doesn't this year is just the same as any other year i know it was weird and like Honestly, reading through some of these, I'm like, what are these? And why are some of the bigger ones I've heard about, talked about, why aren't they more featured than some of these nobodies that everyone's forgotten or nobody cared about from the beginning? So it is just like, hmm, you know, I just don't know what they're aiming for or what they're trying to celebrate. I don't know how they decide who gets nominated or what the parameters are for what is the best of anything. So I don't know. (laughs) Well, they also expanded their nominations of the big four categories from five nominees to eight nominees. So we have more nominees, (laughs) but it's strange, like who made the cut and who didn't. I'm sure that you are dying to talk about the (laughs) fact that Taylor Swift was not nominated for any of the big three categories and got like a couple of the random like pop nominations. Well, she only got one. She only got best pop vocal album so like a step below best album it's the pop genre and it is like honestly I didn't think reputation would get like a lot of attention um it wasn't critically acclaimed even though it had huge selling numbers that's not all that hopefully goes into deciding a best album of the year plus she was probably over celebrated during some of her other albums that People are now thinking, why did it deserve album of the year? So I think it's just a mess because it is sort of like a popularity contest. And it's not only a popularity of what's popular now, but it's like, oh, who did we oversell in the past? Who did we neglect in the past? Can we make up for it now? And I think you saw the same thing with Ariana Grande and her snubs during this year's session because it feels like they're reserving it almost for the thank you next type for next year's Grammys. Is yeah, my take. <laughs> it's very strange. And also the thing with the Grammys is that there are 9 million categories. Like I was scrolling through all of yes. them and basically anybody can win a Grammy because there's just so many strange like subsections where, oh, you could win like best rap collaboration song. And it's like, well, what, like, <laughs> yeah. what are, like, what are the best like spoken word album of poetry? It's like the, they're I so know, random so and ludicrous. But yeah, the big snub for me was that Jay-Z and Beyonce's album was nowhere to be found in the top section as well. And they're both like perennial heavy hitters at the Grammys. And the fact that their album, which was like fairly universally acclaimed, it wasn't like people didn't like Mm -hmm. it, didn't make it into like album of the year, record of the year, song of the year seems strange. And instead we have like (laughs) the soundtrack for a star is born is like getting into some of these things yeah. oh i know get over it people <laughs> and there's some people who i've never even heard of like i was looking at the list and like brandy carlisle i have no idea who that is uh yeah h-e-r is like is that a band is that a person <laughs> i don't know i've never heard of them either or she or him or whatever it is like it's it is i know bizarre. and it's just like like it is just such an odd mess because you have Casey Musgraves with Janelle Monet, and then it's like, I don't know the deadline for each like rule here, but I feel like there were bigger albums like from not only Beyonce and Jay-Z, but I mean, you had Sweetener from Ariana Grande, which was a big deal. And didn't, did Kendrick Lamar have an album this year or was I that last year? I don't think, I think that was last year. I don't think he okay, had okay. Uh, 
a, a, so an album this year, aside from the the Black Panther album, right, which right, was right. nominated. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird eclectic mix, and of course you have Drake there, and like. I don't know. I just don't know what they're aiming for. And it's like any man's guess what will end up winning. And like some years, it seems like they're more skewed to sales. Like, okay, Justin Bieber maybe didn't necessarily have the best album, but it sold a lot. So we're going to nominate him. But then in other years, you have random people, you know, (laughs) like Esperanza Spalding, like winning things. And you know that she's not winning for sales. So that must be like (laughs) quality of music. So it's always weird to look at this list and be like, what are we like what is the <laughs> the standard that we're voting for because i feel like for the oscars yeah. it's easy you look and it's quality they blockbuster movies right. don't get nominated for the oscars all the time sometimes they do if they're good but it's like you can tell that people are voting based on the quality of the film the quality of the acting and this yeah. sometimes they're voting on quality of music sometimes they're voting on like spotify downloads it seems <laughs> bizarre I know because it's like it's just a weird choice too because like the Grammys just like every award show is struggling to get viewership struggling to have people care about it and it's even struggling to have artists respect it so it's just like it's weird that they wouldn't give the heavy hitters attention and use them to promote the show because you know people like Taylor Swift Ariana Grande Beyonce they draw an audience and so it's like you wouldn't necessarily want the award show to revolve around popularity, but you also need these people to feel like there's a reason to show up, you know? But if you're just handing out like random awards to each of them and comparing them to like Casey Musgraves or I don't know, like Post Malone, I guess does it for some people, but I just don't care. And it's just like, well, what is your vibe here? What are you hoping for at this show? Yeah, and usually the nominees perform, so you would also think that if they were going for numbers, they would nominate someone like Beyonce, who's going to bring in more fans to watch, or like Taylor Swift. But with our beloved Kanye and Taylor out of the mix, who in these like main categories are you rooting for like do you have any vested interest at all in somebody winning no vested interest i mean i guess like for album honestly i don't know i think janelle monet did a lot more interesting things than any of these people but i also love cardi b's music so i feel like it'll go to cardi b or black panther see i feel like the opposite i like don't think i mean i know nothing about the about the Grammys really but it seems to me like usually when when they're like voting on Grammys it seems to go to like the safest choice usually and looking at this list yeah I'm thinking like has Drake won album of the year I'm not (laughs) sure but he seems like the yeah he he's really the only veteran in these lists and I think like Cardi B is great, but this is her first album. Like, are they really going to give that to her? I don't know. Mm-hmm. The person who I'm excited about is I love, uh, I love the song "The Middle" by Zed and Marin Morris. So oh, I kind yeah. of was like, oh, I mean, I'd be happy to see that win. I also, <laughs> I, I mean, don't Cardi think that's going to win. But, I mean, I, I don't think, think it is either. But yeah. that's the thing on the list that I was like, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I like, I like so. that. I know the real like the record of the year one is the most interesting to me because it's just like. How do you decide what's the song of the year, basically? But it's like, is the shallow is shallow gonna win? Because I think that would 
that would be a surprise in some ways, but not in others. And I'm kind of interested if they would give it to a movie song like that instead of like, this is America or God's plan or even I like it. Because it's just like, I don't know. I'm just curious if they'd give it to a, to a song from a movie that will probably be nominated for an Oscar too, just to try and stay relevant in that way. Yeah, yeah I don't know. That That is an interesting dilemma and also you have this weird thing in the grammys where they have song of the year and record of the year which (laughs) are both for an individual song but song of the year goes to like the song writers and record of the year goes to the music producers (laughs) so it's yeah it's like why are these different categories exactly but so then i'm looking at the shallow or shallow and i'm like was that an expertly produced song like not really (laughs) it's just a couple people on a guitar and also was it a great written song not really either they just say yeah (laughs) they repeat the same words 60 times so i'll be shocked if childish gambino doesn't i'll be disappointed if childish gambino doesn't get something for this is america but yeah, I mean, I I think he's before. great. I love him. I was shocked that he didn't win stuff at I the know. MTV Music Awards. I was surprised that he didn't win things at the Emmys. He got like yeah. fairly. Atlanta wasn't nominated in the Golden Globes, which we'll get to shortly. Yeah. But like, I don't understand how people. It's not like he is someone who's unheard of. That right? You know, people. It's like he won a bunch and of things, and then now for him. some yeah. reason, yeah. I'm very confused. (laughs) I guess one last thing in the Grammys before we move on. The best Mm. new artist of the year. Do you have a horse in that race at all? I mean, I love Dua Lipa. Lipa, But I was surprised to see her as a new artist because she's had a few. I, again, don't know how they decide what counts as new. Because she's been on my radar for years. And like I didn't realize she counted as like a new artist because I think she's had a couple at least EPs, if not full albums. So I don't know. I mean, she's who I'd want, but I'd also feel kind of like bad for everyone else who seems more new than her because she's fairly Mm -hmm. established at this point. Yeah. But I should check the others out because I just realized I don't I don't know. Well, I know BB, I guess. I love Um, Greta Van Fleet. They're great. Really? Uh, Yeah, they're like a rock band. They're they're sort of like 80s rock, but like now. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a it's a weird thing, but I'm really into it. But yeah, some of these other people I've never heard of before. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I feel less enthused to actually sit down and watch it because it just seems like a not interesting mess. But I'll probably check in on some of the performances, I guess. <laughs> At one point, I was like, oh, we're going to have to do a whole episode on the Grammys. Nah. And then I was like, oh, no, they're like the same time as the movie award season. So we'll just yeah. like, there'll be something we'll else better them. to cover that week. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> like uh, the Golden Globes. The Golden Globes. I'm excited for these ones. This award show, too, is one of the less like well-regarded ones, but one of the more fun ones to watch because it's just always a weird, hot mess of decisions and categories and what classifies as what so i'm excited for these ones oh yeah the golden globes are great they're run by the hollywood foreign press association which is this very strange body of like 80 90 people who are like from other countries but report (laughs) on like hollywood goings on so they're like british film critics or like australian (laughs) film critics it's a very strange group it's so small so tiny yes so really this i mean 
in some ways it has some consideration into the Oscar race just based on the fact that like a lot of these movies will go on to be nominated for Oscars, but it doesn't necessarily say a ton about what is going to win (laughs) because the categories are weird. There's not very many voters. The voting body doesn't overlap at all because this is all press and the Oscar people are all like um, people who work in move in the movie business and then also this has like tv as well (laughs) and the golden globes are notorious for giving big stars nominations to things that they don't deserve solely so (laughs) they can have that person at the dinner like at the award ceremony it's what the grammys should have done you know yes should have wanted the big bidders there but instead yeah i know and it's always like sort of a drunken (laughs) mess of a party but it's always fun to watch i like really do enjoy the golden globes oh it's a blast i cannot (laughs) wait to watch it but like a a couple years ago the golden globes famously nominated both angelina jolie and johnny depp for the tourist (laughs) which i don't know if you saw that movie but it it was like yeah uh, i think he was also nominated for um Alice in Wonderland. So really, it's like they'll pull anything to get these stars (laughs) in the room. Yeah, there were some pretty notable snubs here, but also some pretty weird surprises. So, I mean, it's hard to talk about, though, because it's like there's so much. There's like TV, there's movies, there's there's all sorts of categories. So (laughs) do you want to do TV first? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. I guess let's go TV. And then we can move into the movies Uh, afterwards the thing with the golden globes on the television side is that they like to nominate new things and fresh Mm -hmm. things i think they fancy themselves as like trendsetters so they (laughs) tend to nominate and then vote for shows that like have just come out that nobody has watched like (laughs) mozart in the jungle or last year like mrs mazel i think had been out for like two weeks before it won all of these golden globes which and it and it's exactly the same this year. Like, if you mm-hmm. look at the list of things nominated for drama, it's like The Bodyguard, which is new, Homecoming, which is new, Killing Eve, which is new. In the musical yes. and comedy, you have Kidding, The Kaminsky Method, like like just random things that have only been out right. like a couple months that I nobody has seen. Some of them. Yeah, I know. And it's also just like, it's odd to see them. I mean, it's hard because there's so much tv drama but i'm actually like i'm confident in these this selection for best tv drama because they're all really good and i just finished killing eve and i'm like i was so in love with that show but it's weird to then see them break it down and see who gets the best actor noms and the best like (laughs) it's just there's a lot going on and then for supporting actor and actress yeah it's anybody it's it's comedy (laughs) drama and limited series all like mixed into one so you have a real wacky mix of people yeah like you have alex borstein from mrs mazel competing against patricia clarkson from sharp objects competing (laughs) with you know yvonne strahovski from handmaid's tale it's like these people should not be in the same category like they're doing very different things and very different shows yeah but it's acting so in a in some ways i respect just saying hey guys you're competing against each other deal with it but it's weird because they otherwise really separate it where you have the comedy versus drama and it's just very thematic about that but then for supporting actor they're like whatever deal with it um, (laughs) well because what they're 
plan is, is like we need to get the most stars in and the stars are going <laughs> to yeah. be the leads. So we'll have six lead categories and yes. then two supporting categories because we don't care if the supporting actors <laughs> yeah, show up. No it's We matters. want the stars. That's what we're yes. here for. Yeah, I know. And it, I don't know. Like, do you have a TV drama versus TV comedy you're rooting for? I mean, so... I feel like this speaks more to myself as a person <laughs> than to television, but there is so much TV and I like felt myself, especially after the Emmys, like yeah. almost having anxiety about like <laughs> how much there was and trying to keep up with it. And yeah. so I sort of like washed my hands of it a little bit and was like, <laughs> okay, Matthew, you don't have to put stress on yourself. Like you don't have to watch every TV show. Like let's focus on movies. That's more manageable. Yeah. So I don't really have so like you a don't horse care. race because I well well it's not that I don't care it's that I haven't seen most of these shows yeah. because they're new and a That's lot of true. the things that were nominated for Emmys that are like the big shows that you think would like be up for awards here right. either like we're technically in last year's cycle so like I think The Crown and Game of Thrones like didn't have a season for this or Stranger right. Things but then other shows like Atlanta or Westworld are just that's true like absent for some reason it's like why it's like yeah. why is atlanta not nominated for a lot of things right. we don't know why is or Westworld like not in the best Handmaid's drama Tale. like it's confusing yeah 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 some only got actor noms but not best series and i know i think um like i feel you because a lot of these new dramas like i was just like oh i can't start another like I can't start homecoming. Like, it's too heavy. I just don't want to. And bodyguard, it's like, oh, I can't do another one of these. It's just too heavy. I don't want to. But if I could recommend one, it would be Killing Eve. I think it was so fun and fresh. And like, I didn't expect it to be a comedy. I mean, I guess it's not technically according to the Hollywood porn press, but it was like a very fun show. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a good time. And for best TV, I'm just anyone but Maisel. That's my, that's my hope oh. and my dream. <laughs> yeah, but I think Maisel's gonna win. They, I know they have a weird obsession with that. Unless it goes to oh, the Kaminsky method, I guess it could yeah. go to a good place. I don't. Know. It's it's a it's a crapshoot. I I, I do love the, Barry. So if Barry yeah. won some things, I would be excited about that. Well, and it's just like the Good Place is such a strange and unexpected nomination because it's the only network television show on here, right? Yeah, and it's like and the third season, but it yeah. wasn't nominated for earlier season. It makes no <laughs> sense. It's very odd. But it's I love that show, so it'd be fun if it won, but I feel like it'll go to Maisel. Ugh. It is a little bit of that thing where, like, if it's only 80 people voting, like, they, nobody can watch every TV show. So it is a little <laughs> bit of the same thing at the Emmys of, like, well, what are people watching? There's only yeah. eight of us or 80 of us. Like, oh, a bunch of people watched a very English scandal this year. Well, let's <laughs> nominate it for a bunch of things, even though, like, maybe it's yeah. not as good as some of the other limited series. So, right. and like last year, This Is Us was a huge contender. And now this year, it doesn't get any attention. So it's just like, how does the how do they decide? Like, what is the whim that decides what makes it and what doesn't? So it'll be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Have you watched The Escape at Danamora? That is like the thing at the top of my list. I feel like no, interest-wise to watch. What's it on? It's I not maybe HBO. It's the Patricia Arquette is oh. in it. It's it's based on a true story of like she was like a dowdy 
old like prison worker who didn't who was like i think like either going through a divorce with her husband or i don't know she had like marital drama and these two men at a prison kind of like seduced her and like gave her this fantasy of how they were going to escape and like the three of them were going (laughs) to run away to mexico and have kind of this like sexual threesome relationship and they conned her into like helping them escape like bringing them (laughs) tools like giving them all kinds of things and they escaped and then just like left her there i think oh wow uh, spoiler alert so i'm so well i mean it's a true story so (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I remember i remember reading about it but i was like i feel like patricia arquette in that role would be very interesting to watch yeah and from the posters she looks terrible (laughs) so that's, that's the thing the that credit. i'm excited to watch yeah. for whatever reason i know and it's like uh, i think the limited series ones are some of the is that a what is that is that a is that nominated for something yeah it's it's mini series and movie oh, okay. escape from danimar yeah. also did i thought homecoming was limited series it's not it's like an like julia roberts is going to be in lots of seasons of i this. know that's how i don't know how they decide because there isn't an announcement for like a second season. So I don't know. Like, it's like, did they just tell them that there'd be a second season? I honestly don't know. Maybe it'll be like true detective where it's a different story and cast every season. I I don't know. It's the golden Globes. Yeah. But then like, but those kind of things like true detective or assassination of Gianni Versace, like the the American crime story, like those get put in mini series because it's a different cast every time. Yeah. Maybe she is. But I can't imagine (laughs) Julia Roberts like wanting to be in like six (laughs) seasons of homecoming. Like is she at that point in her career? Maybe, maybe she really enjoyed it. I have I feel bad. It's been on my watch list. I hear it's good. I don't know how it ends or what the cliffhanger is if there is any, but who knows? I don't know what it's about, really. So. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's a, I am failing as like a, a podcast host. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to film. I'll know more. I swear. I know things in that one. Okay, okay. I've watched some of the movies. My gosh. Dear Lord. Oh, man. But I just remembered Laura Dern in The Tale, which is a great movie. And again, we talked about it last week because I wasn't sure if it would be Oscar contender because it's not. Oh, yeah. Was but it, it nominated? Only, she got a best best actress nom for a limited series but the tale didn't get anything else so sort of disappointing well, and weird she up against she's against oh, Patricia Arquette. Yeah, sharp objects oh but she's up against Connie regina Britton. king and she's gonna win i know it's too bad i love laura dern i think she needs a moment I mean, she had a moment. She sailed that ship (laughs) right into the Death Star and saved all of those lives in that weird turtleneck dress she was wearing. That's the most memorable Laura Dern moment for you is Star Wars. I mean, wasn't wasn't that like her iconic? She was kind of like a little known actress before that. Yes? What are you talking about? She was in <laughs> Jurassic Park. No, she I in... know, I know. <laughs> oh man, oh you triggered. She was just so, she was just so <laughs> bad in that movie. I couldn't no, not bring it up in her weird. She was not. She okay. We don't have to talk about Jurassic Park. It'll just make me. Sad. No, not no, not Jurassic Park. She was bad oh, in. Okay, okay. Last Jedi. Oh no, yeah, she, everyone. No, everybody's you. great oh, in Jurassic you, Park. You, Jurassic Park. Oh, I was a great worried movie. we'd have to like yeah. end our friendship or something. No, but we're okay. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, no. Kay. Jurassic Park is great. Perfect. That's all uh, I need to know. Well, <laughs> dodge that bullet. Yeah, but we can move into um, movies now. 
that's the main point of the Golden Globes, right? Yes, Everyone yes. It are the film awards. Yeah. And, and it's a weird film award because they divide it into drama and <laughs> comedy slash musical for these yeah. awards. Which every year we hear critiques about why is it a comedy slash musical and like, oh, stop doing this. But they just, they haven't changed and I doubt they ever will. So we just have to deal with it. <laughs> Usually what happens is is that all of your, you know, traditional Oscar dramas run in drama. And then it's sort of like anything that's left over gets put into musical comedies. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a comedy, you're in musical comedy. If you're a musical, you're in musical comedy. If you're like a sci-fi movie <laughs> or a horror movie, like Get Out. If you're The <laughs> yeah. Martian, then you're, you're in this comedy. because it's like, well, yeah, it, it really should be like drama and like genre films or some like they should redo the names because it makes no sense except this year we had the additional wrinkle of the fact that both bohemian rhapsody and a star is born decided that they didn't want to run in musical comedy because they felt like that was kind of the less (laughs) prestigious category like deal with so now you have two musicals in the in the drama category and then like dramas in the musical <laughs> comedy category. So it makes no I mean, sense. Whatsoever. I can get it because to me, a musical is a musical because the songs forward the plot. So it's like, it isn't just a movie with music. So I can see why a star is born is not a musical. I could maybe be convinced that Bohemian Rhapsody is a musical because it has that very musical feel and the songs correlate with the storyline. But I can see why they could justify not technically being a musical. Yeah, I mean, if you squint hard enough, (laughs) you can figure out how these movies got into the various categories. But, and then like, so the nominees for Best Drama are Black Klansman, (laughs) Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, If Beale Street Could Talk, and A Star is Born. And to me, Black Klansman and Beale Street are clearly dramas. Black Panther, I was surprised they put in drama... I was like, that would be more of a fit for comedy. If you're like looking to put things in comedy, like Black Panther makes sense. It's a superhero movie. It has funny moments. Yeah, I know. It is sort of interesting to see them revving up for their Oscar campaign and like getting more traction for that. I don't, I mean, I can recognize its strengths. It story-wise didn't really feel that solid to me. Like I think they did amazing things with the, like the culture of it, the backstory of it, the art the art of the film itself but for me the storyline it didn't yeah it didn't really jump out as a really progressive or interesting superhero movie like dark knight where you had like real crazy changes that like made superhero movies cool again basically so it is just sort of like huh i don't know what this is doing here and if it can compete with like other dramas but looking at their drama list i'm like wait these aren't even the strongest dramas of the year like i was very surprised to see what they snubbed and I just was shocked to see like a Bohemian Rhapsody and Black Panther up there instead of like, say, I don't know, Widows or um, some of the more critically acclaimed. Yeah. These critics didn't necessarily love these movies as much as some of the other ones that are coming out later this year. So it just felt like they forgot some of the ones that still haven't been out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. The, the thing with Black Panther, I think is the fact that it was such a break in. Yeah the like casting for a superhero movie and the fact that it sold so well and the fact that it is actually a good movie and the fact that there are so many like special effects and costuming and all of that in there. I think that people kind of determined early on this year, 
okay, we're going to give this a Best Picture nomination. I don't think it has a chance to win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's going to get any acting nominations as much as I would love Michael B. Jordan to get in there for Best Supporting. Right. But I think it will win some technical awards and it will get some nominations and that'll be like a cool thing for that mm-hmm. movie. But yeah, I was surprised that they put it in for drama over something like First Man, which didn't really get very many yeah. nominations, or Widows, which got zero nominations. Yeah, I know. Oh, what a snub. It's weird because that was one of the, you know, it didn't perform well in the box office. It didn't perform as well as expected in the box office, but it was still a huge critically acclaimed film. And you also have movies like Roma, which is a huge critically acclaimed film that is nowhere to be seen here. You have Eighth Grade, which didn't even make the comedy. Hereditary, which again was snubbed to everyone's surprise since it's been getting so much attention in the other award circuits. So it's just sort of odd to see what they decided to ignore. First Reformed is another one that I feel like got so much attention in other circles. So it's just like, hmm, what are they watching and what are they ignoring? Well, the thing with Roma, which I think is probably the front runner right mm-hmm. now for Best Picture, I think really it's A Star is Born, <laughs> Roma, and The Favorite are kind of like the right. three big front runners right now. But because Roma is technically the Mexican submission for foreign film, it couldn't oh, be. Yeah. The Golden Globes have a weird thing where the foreign films aren't allowed to compete. So it is up for nomination and Best Foreign for golden globes but the oscars don't have that rule right. so it can win best foreign and best picture in the oscars um so that's why that's yeah there. and the but favorite yeah. where is that because that only got acting nods right there's not like a director or best. no it was nominated for musical comedy oh, it but it's like oh. <laughs> it's weird that that's in comedy you that know it's like odd. yeah because the comedy nominations mess. are Crazy Rich Asians. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Mary Poppins yeah. Returns. Okay, that's a musical. Done. Makes sense. And then you have The Favorite, which is like a maybe like a dark yeah, comedy. Vice, which, yeah, which no one has seen Vice <laughs> yet, or most yeah. people haven't, because it doesn't come out for another. Co- but that's like the Dick Cheney mm-hmm. movie, so I can't imagine that being like hysterical. And then Green Book, which we're <laughs> going to talk about this yeah, week, I mean, which I, I guess, guess has funny. some like yeah. funny light moments but it's a movie about like a (laughs) closeted gay black man like going through the jim crow south and being like harassed so i mean it's about like a relationship but but like that's not like oh that sounds like a fun romp like let me watch that i know and it's like crazy rich asians is a a great movie and i love it but it's weird to see it next to like the favorite and vice which are these again huge critically acclaimed pick so it's just sort of weird to see the popular mixed in with the like prestige which is maybe how it should be but it just seems sort of odd when you're trying to figure out how they formulate their choices each year but i i would love for it to win <laughs> i mean when you think about this from the through the lens of like okay how can we get the biggest stars in the room mm-hmm. i think it does make sense that something like crazy rich asians yeah. which has a big ensemble like fun cast would get nominated so that all of those people are right. going to show up so you're going to have constance Wu and yes. you know henry golding and like they can present things and so right. i can see why they like nominate some of this stuff if you look at it through that yeah. lens are you pretty mad about tony collette though she didn't get any love i yeah, uh, so Tony Collette for Hereditary is like the the hill that I will be dying on this Oscar season. Like that's the one thing that I really want to happen, and it didn't happen in 
at the Globes. But the the thing with the Golden Globes as an awards show is that in some way, it really like bears no indication on whether something will get nominated for an Oscar or not. What it how it affects the awards conversation is that you have all of these people who are in the Academy who, you know, are producers and directors and actors and, you know, work in all kinds of different aspects of film. And they are going to be voting on who gets mm-hmm. nominated. And there's lots of movies that come out every year and they can't necessarily see right. them all. But the production companies send what are called screeners, which are like DVD copies of the awards movies to all of these members of the Academy. So they're getting like dozens and dozens and dozens of these screeners and some of the movies they've already seen, but the smaller ones are things that maybe aren't going to be in like the best picture conversation. They are not necessarily seeing. So what's important with like these critics prizes and the golden globes is that they can nominate something that then the Academy will go, Oh, maybe I should watch that and choose that out of the screener pile to watch versus something else. So there's, so it's always helpful when something gets nominated, but I think especially like the indie artsy movies, people in the Academy are really depending more on the critics than the golden globes to decide like what they should watch and what Mm -hmm. they shouldn't. So I think like, um, first reformed and eighth grade and hereditary which are all these smaller movies the fact that they didn't show up at the golden globes in a big way isn't necessarily super surprising and really the indication for those on whether they'll kind of move on to oscar contention is if they get a lot of critics prizes which they Mm -hmm. have the thing that the golden globes can kill is if it's a big (laughs) movie and it doesn't get nominated for the globes then it's like like dead because if anybody's gonna not Yeah, if anyone's nominating Viola Davis, if anyone's nominating Ryan Gosling, it's the Globes. And the fact that neither of those people got nominated is sort of like, "Eh, well, maybe pack your bags and go home. Try again next year. I know, which is sort of surprising and shocking. And I I kind of thought First Man would get a little bit more love, but it only gave the best supporting actress, right? They didn't even give it music, which is too bad because I really loved that soundtrack. But well, I think it got score. I think it did get score. It didn't get song, but it got score. Yeah, yeah. But the ones they love, the score is so good. The ones Golden Globes loved, of course, is Vice with six nominations and A Star Is Born, which Mm -hmm. is just like, ugh, Uh, I don't want it to win. Although, you know who got snubbed was the friggin' brother from A Star is oh, Born, who right. everybody's been talking about how he might win, and he didn't get nominated. When I said that, I was like, oh, yeah. thank the Lord. Like, like somebody's stop. listening to my prayers. Yeah. Like, get him out of here. Yeah. And Green Ugh. Book, coincidentally, also got a lot of nominations. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, because that was one people were worried would kind of get derailed because of Vigo Mortensen's slip up um, with the N-word during his promotional <laughs> spiel for this one. So I think it is it has become sort of an interesting film, and I think it'll be good for us to talk about it a little bit more because it does seem to be a contender in more ways than people thought. Yeah, yeah. So I guess let's move on just to talk about Green yeah. Book as a movie now. So this... It's a movie about Viggo Mortensen is kind of like this bada bing, bada boom kind of guy from the Bronx who works at <laughs> a Italian. yeah, who works at a nightclub and is like a bouncer. And the nightclub is Tony. Yeah, Tony, the lip. And <laughs> Tony lip. he's and it's not Tony the lip. It's Tony. Lip. Oh, sorry. My bad. Um, 
but the club is like closing for renovation. He doesn't have any work. And like through some like friend of a friend connection kind of thing, he gets this job as a driver for Mahershala (laughs) Ali's character, who is like a famous pianist who's going to be doing a musical tour of the midwest but also the south and so they need somebody who Mm -hmm. can drive him and kind of like be a butler sort of but also be a bodyguard and that is where Viggo Mortensen comes in (laughs) yeah so when did you see this have you have you been putting it off or did you see it a while ago or watch it for this podcast I saw it maybe like two weeks ago this was a movie where I had heard about it in the summer that it was coming out and, you know, Viggo Mortensen Mm -hmm. and Mahershala Ali have both been people. Mahershala won an Oscar for Best Supporting for Moonlight a couple years ago. Viggo Mortensen's been nominated a couple times but hasn't won, most recently for Captain Fantastic. And so people were like, okay, big names in a movie, like this could be good. But I don't think there was a lot of hype about it until it went to the Toronto Film Festival and won like the audience prize Mm there. And And winning that award a lot of times kind of like can pull something into Oscar contention. So I think critics were sort of like, it's a little cheesy. It's a little schlocky at parts. It might, it like is questionable on how it handles race and the Jim Crow South in some ways. And I don't think critics necessarily thought it was going to be this huge ordeal but then it won this audience prize and then it has gone on to win several other kind of notable critics prizes which i think has surprised some people it it was it was it won best (laughs) film of the year by the national board of review and has won a bunch of audience prizes at smaller film festivals so now it's kind of like well i guess this is an oscar contention and so i went and saw it like a couple weeks ago (laughs) yeah how did you come to it well, I went this weekend. It's been on my list because I knew it would be nominated. It's one I had zero interest in. Um, it just felt like more of the same. Like, oh, a white boy realizes racism is bad because there's one nice black person he meets type thing. And I was just like, whatever. Like, the reverse driving Miss Daisy. I don't need this in my life. But I went and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it, mostly because both of the actors are amazing and like really handle these characters in interesting ways and just made it really enjoyable to watch. And I was surprised that I enjoyed it. But I can also see the problematic aspects of it, especially when you realize like this is a true story. But it was written by Tony Lip's son. So there's an obvious bias there. Dr. Shirley's family was not involved in the writing and was only like shown it like after it was made. And they're like, wait, we really have some problems here. So it's just sort of messy. And it is a feel good for white people movie about racism. It's palatable for white audiences. It makes them think, oh, look how much better we've become type thing. And so I think like seeing it have this good of a critical run like isn't surprising because it's the exact type of like movie diverse movie that's about race but it's for white people you see these movies do well you see it with the help and you see it with even like 12 years a slave or any of these old timey like yeah you're like racism used to be so hard and so it's just like (laughs) yeah exactly so it just it was well done but i don't think it's necessarily as great as people are giving it credit for well i think it's a really interesting dichotomy that you have in this movie where if you were just to look at the story or you were just to look at the Mm -hmm. like screenplay 
I think critics would mm-hmm. like pan it, drag it down. We're not nominating it, nominating it for anything because uh, we don't want to support this kind of film that maybe like doesn't go into right. the details as much as we would like it to. But right. then you have the fact that Mahershala Ali is in it, who is like a darling mm-hmm. from all of these critics, was great in Moonlight, and is someone who's really respected. So the fact that he is in it and he is doing such a good job in it, it sort of also feels yeah. like you can't necessarily 100% say like, no, don't go see this. And then Vigo Mortensen, I right. think for his character being problematic and the like snafu where he like said the n-word at a press screening (laughs) not to like call anybody it but just like say it to i right it was it was it was stupid yes yes and he apologized and i think that they've moved past that but it's sort of like the fact that you have these two actors giving really good performances in a Mm -hmm. movie that is like very beautifully shot and they're people that everyone really likes i mean vigo mortensen was nominated for captain fantastic when i mean i love Mm -hmm. that movie but that was a movie that not yeah like uh, like that was kind of like dragged up just because the academy liked him as a person (laughs) so it's weird like yeah do you give this a movie awards for the acting if you don't necessarily like support the message of the movie 100 percent, it's a weird situation i think right i know and it's complicated too because the stars both think oh no no this isn't a reverse driving miss daisy this isn't a white savior movie like this is about friendship helping both of these characters but it's just like yeah, I can get that. But you have a character who's racist, who's like very racist and never has to apologize, never has to admit it. And so his problem is he's racist. But then what is Dr. Shirley's problem that he's a little uptight? Like, it's just not a fair balance of like, oh, friends saving each other from themselves. It's like one is very bad and one just has a stiffer personality, you know? And so it's weird to watch the dynamic between them in the movie because you're kind of like, who... Like Vigo is obviously the star. Like he is the character. He's the he's the lens. He is the person we are most in tune with. Whereas Dr. Shirley becomes a side character where we don't really know about his past or his life or his his reasoning for his choices or whatever. Which is weird because he's the most interesting character in the movie. Like I wanted to know so much more about him, but instead we're just forced to kind of see him through how he affected Tony Lip, you know? Yeah, this is another thing that I've sort of been thinking about a lot, like in the last couple of years, is that in movies or television shows that are dealing with race or, you know, sexism or homophobia or or any of these kind Mm -hmm. of like hot button issues, I think that it's, there's a tricky line in the fact that the movie or TV show only has like so much time to show what it's going to Mm -hmm. show and these issues are so complex that like you can go to like get your phd in like minutia involving race or you know this (laughs) kind of thing so there is a lot of like different things that you can kind of poke holes at and so i I, it's interesting i or i've kind of been thinking about like what can a movie be held accountable for and then like what doesn't it have like the space or the energy to be able to accomplish which i think this movie is 
like this movie has a long way to go in order to like reach that point. (laughs) Like I think there's things in this that obviously could be corrected, but I think it's an interesting kind of thing to think about with movies like this in that, like if the stars feel like it's like, they have a reason for why they like Mahershala Ali is in this movie, thinks it's a good movie for a certain reason. Like, does that, how does that affect how like, other people should see it necessarily i don't know and like what lens like what exactly should it be held accountable for you know right and it's hard because like a lot of actors get involved in something with high hopes and then by the time the movie's finished they're like wait this wasn't exactly what i wanted right viola davis famously brought up uh the help this year and was like i'm really disappointed by that film because i realized halfway through watching it like this isn't about the maid's voice at all and i think similarly this movie feels like it is about a white person for white people and it really reframes racism from the white man's perspective it's like wait why can't he try on a suit? Like, this is so sad. How does this, like, make me feel? And it's not necessarily about... I don't know. It just feels like one of those movies that won't age well. It won't, like, mean anything in the end because it's been done so many times. And it just constantly chooses to favor the white perspective over the black experience and like viewing the black experience through a white lens never really pays off in interesting ways and i don't think we need more of these movies but they just keep getting made well because it makes racism palatable for the audience yeah i mean it and it's also hard to talk about because like we are both like white people so this is an so all of these issues is it's a little bit like okay well like what perspective are like like I can't bring all of the perspectives to this that like should right. be like it would be helpful you, you know to have like a an outside voice but um but I think that yeah this like crosses the first hurdle in the fact that it's asking people the question to like look outside of yourself and see what uh, like I think everybody's in these little tight communities where you're only like spending time with or seeing people who are like you and you think a certain Mm -hmm. way about other people, whether that's like a different political party or someone from a different, like, you know, even like region of the country, like oh, people from California are all like this because you only see them as like stereotypes because you don't have actual interactions with them. And in this movie, it's showing, well, Mm -hmm. if you get stuck in a car with somebody for a long time, you're going to realize (laughs) that like they are a person they're not just a stereotype. But then what this movie doesn't do is like move on from that at all. It kind of like reaches that level and looks around and says, we did a good job, didn't we? Let's like rest on our laurels. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like the conclusion of the film is um, he's back with his family and one of them uses a racist slur and he says, don't say that. And then there's just this awkward pause and they change the topic. And I'm like, is that the most growth he can show right now? Like, and I don't think he needs to monologue about like what he's learned or whatever, but it just began to feel a little bit like it's not necessarily like he was a pretty racist guy. And I don't know if I believe he became not racist after one good experience with one black guy that was cool enough for him to accept. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't think that like I didn't get the sense there was right. growth. Yeah. I mean, well, but I think that, I think that this is another thing to think about in the fact that it's a it's a historical movie. And like, Mm -hmm. I think that that Tony Lip as a person probably did have a lot of like, I'm sure he was racist still at the end of this trip, but I'm sure that he was affected in a lot of ways and like was less racist later. So there is also a little bit of like, okay, can you 
complain that somebody in the 60s isn't up to the 2018 level of like race relations <laughs> but at the same time you can't like in a movie depict a person from the 60s as like and this is what we can all aspire to it's like you need to right. somehow show like yes he came a long way for who he was at that time but that mm-hmm. isn't necessarily like what like we need to move farther from that now right. If that makes sense. Yeah, I guess I wish, like, I get it. But I think the way to combat that is to, instead of making these movies about the white people who grew from, like, these experiences, is to instead, like, make a movie about Dr. Shirley and, like, how he became who he was. Like, he's such an interesting character I'd never heard about. Like, he had a doctorate in psychology that was never revisited. He had, like, a home full of weird things I wanted to know more about. And I, I mean, he had this secret gay lifestyle that was, like, you know, a surprise twist that I wish they'd been able to explore more. And so I think it's like interesting that a studio decided to pick the film about the driver instead of about this man who existed in real life and has such a rich history to visit. So yeah, I kind of feel like, yeah, it's like a fine movie, but it's, it seems like there's ways to make more interesting and challenging films that could actually give you know, black people a voice so that there is more of that Mm -hmm. um, realism to it. So I think we can both agree that we don't want this movie to win best picture. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Not the time. I mean, and it's hard because it was like fun to watch like Vigo and um, both Vigo and Mahersha Ali were both so great. So it was sort of like, hmm. yeah. So that's what I was going to ask you next. Like, Viggo Mortensen yeah. put on like 50 pounds for this. He's doing this like insane <laughs> accent. Uh, you know, Mahershala Ali is yeah. like very like demure. He's playing the piano in all of these scenes, which is, suits. yeah, which is like miraculous was. in and of itself. I was wondering. Yeah, that's cool. Vigo is in best actor. Mahershala is in best supporting. Like, wh- like, what are your horses in those races? Like, do you think that they should win? <laughs> like, what? Like, do you like somebody else more than them? In like, the what Golden are your Globes. thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess Golden Globes because that's what we have right now at the moment. But also, like, if there's an outside contender that you'd rather have at Oscar, like where you are on yeah, actor and I mean, supporting. it's hard because I think. It's like Vigo did such a great job, but I don't necessarily want him to win for this because I don't think it's a... I think that would just continue to perpetuate these sorts of films and the idea of, wow, what a great white guy. Like, he learned to not be racist. And I don't know. It's hard because, again, with Ali, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, he was great, but does it deserve an Oscar? Probably more than, I guess, his stint in the 10 minutes he was in Moonlight. But... (laughs) It'll be interesting. I guess I'd have to see who they're contending with because like in the lineup for the Golden Globes where Vigo is in the musical or comedy, like, yeah, I could see him winning for this because the only other real serious contender is Christian Bale for Vice. And so it's sort of a similar role where they're really, you know, having this physical transformation for a character that people can recognize. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see who who comes out on top. Would you give it to Vigo over Rami Malek for... (laughs) bohemian rhapsody no i don't think so i mean rami malik did such an amazing job in a movie that really depended on him to save it from itself so i would argue rami deserves it more because i don't know who it's hard who is your best actor pick right now like who do you want (laughs) oh man i don't know i did just 
I really did enjoy Ethan Hawke in First Reformed, even though I ended up not really loving the movie. So I feel like it would be either Rami or Ethan Hawke. Yeah, I, I, I I'd think, have to see the whole list. I think I'm on the Ethan Hawke train as well. As much as I love the surprise yeah. nominations for Lucas Hedges for Boy Erased, which I thought was good, <laughs> but um, no thanks. I would like Ethan Hawke to win. The only reason why I would want Viggo Mortensen to win <laughs> is because I frigging am obsessed with Captain Fantastic, and he's so good in that, and he didn't yeah. win, and, I, and he hasn't won. And I, yeah, it's like the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> Revenant thing, where I'm like, let's give Viggo <laughs> yeah. the nomination, the Oscar for this, but we're going to say it's for freaking Captain Fantastic because that movie deserved better. Yeah. So then. Oh, yeah, it did. So then Mahershala in supporting. That's a tougher one. What are you thinking? Because, I mean, supporting acting is hard because it's like such an overstuffed race. I mean, you have Sam Rockwell, who's always a popular choice, and he looks like he does a great job. Well, he won last year. I think. Yeah. And I think Timothy Chalamet, Richard E. Grant, all of these guys are people that are like critical darlings. So I don't know if they're going to give it to him just because he did win for Moonlight. And so I think they'll be kind of more reserved, hesitant to hand it over again. The person I want in this is Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? I think that movie is really good. <laughs> I think he's really great in it. He it, he has like yeah. a substantial supporting role. And I don't think that, right. that movie is going to get a lot of love elsewhere. I mean, it's not going to win technical categories. It's not going to win Best Picture. Right. Melissa McCarthy might get nominated for Best Actress, but I don't think she's going to win. So I kind of want him to win yeah. that just as like a Can You Ever Forgive Me is a great movie and it deserves an Oscar. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie, so... Did you not like <laughs> it? existed this year. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I struggled with it, because at the end, I was just like, man, this white chick, like, gets away with this and, like, gets a job in publishing and, like, goes on to make a book and make a fortune off of her illegal actions. I just, It just felt really privileged, and, like, she was not likable. Not that everyone has to be likable, but the fact that she one in spite of her unlikableness was just, like, very irritating to me. <laughs> But, like, did she win? You know what I mean? Like, like I mean, this is another well, story. Well, she became a writer, day. which is what she wanted. You know, like, that was the whole thing is she wanted that and she got it. And she got a story out of it. And, like, she got her voice and she got her popularity and stuff. Well, I mean, I think she <laughs> she lived a very unhappy life and was unsuccessful. She, yeah. she, she then wrote this, yes, like, one book, which I think had, like, middling success. And then she went back to being right. nobody. So I don't, I don't necessarily <laughs> think, like, she committed this crime and then she was, you know, J.K. Rowling for the rest of her life. Right, right. I know. I think it was just sort of, like, watching it. I was like, why is she so grumpy? Like, get over it. Like, just pick yourself up. Like, you're, well, she, I don't know. She she, like had depression <laughs> yeah maybe i just i had a hard time with it like i think all the acting was really good and honestly some of the shots were beautiful so it's like i shouldn't hate the movie for the real story behind it but i do <laughs> yeah i don't i mean like i i really felt for her and and for richard e grant's character in the fact that like yeah i liked they're, him they're both gay living in new york in a time where like all of their friends are dying from the aids crisis yeah. and she's like suffering from like you know depression and 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 i think 
like she's trying to write and it's not working for her because her agent is like I don't know I just not really trying you know like that's the thing is she just is bored <laughs> I found her more sympathetic I guess than you did uh but I know I, know. I have problems <laughs> yeah well yes but that that that's for <laughs> another fine. podcast for another day uh so green book yeah. should people see it now yes. should people wait should people never see it what are your thoughts it's hard because on a level it was entertaining it was it was fun it was sharply written the actors were really interesting to watch but ultimately it just walked away and like realizing that the families weren't actually like involved and they actually some of the things that happened didn't happen and it kind of hit all these racist racist tones i'm just kind of like maybe skip it like i honestly you know there's so many out there why watch this one yeah i don't know what do you think my take is if you are like an Oscar person and you're like, okay, I want to watch these movies that are getting nominated, like, yeah. then go ahead and watch it now because it is, yeah. there are great performances. It is one. a beautiful movie. Yeah. And it's not, and it's like a fun kind of watch. I yeah. think, but I think in general, if you're just like an average person, I would say like, you could maybe watch <laughs> this on a plane sometime, yeah. you know, It'll like probably maybe pop watch up it. On yeah. Like watch it on cable with like your family at some point, you know, <laughs> but like, I don't think yeah. that you necessarily need to run out and, and grab this one. And if it's something that, you know, passes you by and you never really get back to, I don't necessarily think that's a yeah. huge yeah, problem. I'm missing out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know we're getting into that time of year where we're just watching everything and it all just starts to feel like oh have I loved anything recently I don't know <laughs> well have you hated something is this what is this what you're leading into oh yeah <laughs> I forgot actually now that you mentioned it I do have something I love which I oh. mentioned on this episode <laughs> um Killing Eve which is on Hulu now but it's a BBC America limited series Sandra Oh and um it's really good. I really was surprised. I mean, I'm disappointed they didn't nominate um, the supporting character who plays this uh, assassin who's just a delight and she's amazing in all her scenes. She just is so funny and she has such a expressive face and just like flips between the different roles she has to play as an assassin and as her crazy psychopathic self. So it was a lot of fun. It's an eight-episode eight limited series, so I would definitely check it out if you're looking for something to binge this holiday season. But I have heard only good things about Killing Eve, and I and I like yeah. Sandra O. Oh, so I know I was expecting like a serious drama. Like I just I didn't know anything about it except it was like a you know assassin show, and I thought it would be like The Bodyguard or something. Like oh, it's all serious and darkly lit, and like everyone's speaking in British accents and is sad. But it was a lot of fun. Was it better than Jack Ryan? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's Check the last, you know, like uh like assassiny kind of show that I watch. So that's what yeah. I have in to compare it to. No, show. it's a lot better. It's a lot better. Okay. okay. So what do you have for us? Well, so I was going to talk about this current season of Survivor, which is so freaking good. <laughs> But then as we were talking about this, have we talked about the favorite on this podcast yet? Have I brought that up? No, because I haven't been able to see it. But is it good? Oh, my gosh. It is so <laughs> freaking good. Like, that is yeah. the Oscar nominee <laughs> that you should be, like, running out to see. I know. It's not out yet, but I want to. It is, like, so... Oh, is it? An... it's another one of these weird movies. 
when yeah. did this start happening? Where they were like I releasing them in like seventeen? Maybe it's because like in years previous, I have just waited till the nominations came out to right. watch stuff. So it's so I am yeah. not hitting it so early. But um, but it's a movie about. Queen Anne. Yes, Queen Anne. Olivia Coleman plays Queen Anne, who is kind of like this like middle-aged invalid queen who is kind of you know, she's she's ruling England, but she really like <laughs> is not she doesn't care about ruling it at all. And so you have Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone as these sort of like dueling advisor handmaids to her who are Mm -hmm. trying to like get in her ear and get her to do various different things. But because she doesn't really care about politics, they're like using other methods to convince her kind of like being friendly with her, flirting with her. But the whole movie is just like very dark, very like sassy (laughs) and snippy. And like the word that a lot of people have used to describe it is bitchy because it's like, you know, all of these like, And it's not just the three of them. There's also these like male courtiers with these big like white powdered wigs who are wandering around this giant palace at night and trying to like convince each other to do different things. It's just a really good time at the movies. Like it's very engaging (laughs) and to watch these people kind of like undercut each other and sell each other out and backstab each other in this like luxurious setting because it was actually shot (laughs) at these like giant castles is so much fun. And all of the, all of the performances are amazing. And benefit for anybody who is wandering over to this podcast from Shelby's other podcast uh Taylor Swift's boyfriend yes. is in it so oh if you yeah see... he's had quite a year he was in Boy Erased too but yes. Taylor Swift didn't promote that one <laughs> well he was a he was a Nazi in one movie earlier <laughs> yeah, then Nazi. he was a uh, a rapist yeah, in Boy Erased yeah he's having a good year good year <laughs> yeah that is funny that she didn't she wasn't like everybody go see boy erased (laughs) because she was posting about this one yeah she was posting about the favorite yeah i mean supposedly she's still good friends or friends with emma stone too so it's a double whammy but i'm excited for the favorite i think yeah (laughs) i'm glad to hear it's it lives up to the hype for you because it's very hyped and i'm excited i feel like i'm getting to the point in our friendship Shelby where I can like where as I'm watching movies I can just hear things that you would say and as I was watching it I was like okay I think Shelby's really gonna like this this seems like to check all of the boxes that she (laughs) wants in a movie yeah it's like three powerful women and a bunch of like sniveling men running around trying to like Uh, trying (laughs) very unsuccessfully to get power so (laughs) yes sign me up i'll be there this weekend for sure (laughs) well i think that is everything that we have this week i know covered a lot of ground a lot for sure i think it'll be fun to um get an episode out next week too before the holidays so we should be spicing things up with a what are we watching next week i mean this is a for sure thing so you can count yeah. on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shelby and I have been debating for several weeks now on whether or not we should see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, yeah. Shelby's choice, or The Mule, which was my choice. But based on the fact that like The Mule has gotten no nominations for anything, and uh, nobody that no I know of has it. seen it, I'm like, no one, okay. Like, no critics have seen it. I don't think no. they've released screeners. No. Like, they're keeping it pretty close to the chest. I know. It's crazy. It's 
<laughs> well, I don't know. I'm still the jury's still out on if it's bad or not, but I think we're going to see into the Spider Verse. So, yay! I'm so excited, and I think that'll be a good excuse to talk about the animated race for yeah. the Oscars, which is which always also very on. interesting. Yeah, and there's lots mm-hmm. of contenders, which I think both of us have probably watched at this point. But things yeah. to look forward to in our last episode of 2018. I, know. I guess. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So exciting. We've gone like a half year now. We like we should get a prize <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah. But as yeah, always, uh like, comment, subscribe, follow us on social media, leave us reviews, yes. all that great stuff. And uh otherwise we will see you all next week. Bye everybody. Bye.